Good morning. Happy Pentecost Sunday. I invite you to stand as we worship this morning. And good morning to all those who are watching from the live stream. Happy Pentecost Sunday to you as well. Let's begin with some prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, the day that we remember where the Holy Spirit came on the apostles and all those gathered there. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they went out and they spoke. And, and your church just grew and grew and grew. And today, Lord God, we ask for you to send your Holy Spirit to us to, to help us live the way that you want us to, to strengthen us and equip us for the task that you have for each one of us to build your kingdom, your church, Lord God. Pray all these things with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's sing together. There's a song that's on my lips From the moment that I rise To the one who rescued me And brought me life Praise awaits you in the dark Praise awaits you in the night With the heavens I will sing And lift you high Glory be to God, the Father, glory be to God, the Son, glory be to God, the Spirit, oh, glory to the One, glory to the Lord, Almighty, glory to the King, Most High, glory be to God, forever. There's a song, there's a song that's on my lips From the moment that I rise To the one who rescued me and brought me life Praise awaits you at the dawn Praise awaits you in the night With the heavens I will sing and lift you high Glory be to God The Father Glory be to God The Son God The Spirit oh, Glory to the One Glory to the Lord Almighty Glory to the King Most High Glory be to God shall be amen amen as it was and is and ever shall be amen amen as it was and is and ever shall be amen glory be 
And on that day, and on that day, we join the resurrection and stand beside the heroes of the faith with one voice a thousand generations sing worthy is the lamb who was slain forever he shall reign there will be a day when all bow before him there will be a day when death will be no more standing face to face with he who died and rose again holy holy is the lord so let it be today we shout the hymn of heaven with angels and the saints we raise a mighty roar glory to our god who gave us life beyond the grave holy holy is the lord holy holy Amen. Good morning. Great to see you. Why don't you take a moment, say hi to somebody around you before you're seated this morning. Thank you. You may be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to our service today. And uh, we are recognizing and celebrating today as Pentecost Sunday. And we're delighted that you can be here on this beautiful Sunday morning with us to worship together and to worship the Lord, exalt Him, and to experience the power of His presence in our lives. And so we welcome you this morning, all of you who are here, and we welcome those who are on our live stream today as well. We're glad that you could join us, and, and uh, we pray the same for you today, that you would experience God's presence wherever you may find yourself today. Just a couple of announcements. If, if this is your first time, if you're new to Evangel or you're visiting today, you will find in the uh, chair in front of you a connection card. If you would uh, fill that out, and uh, that would allow us the opportunity to be able to come alongside and serve you in any way that we can, indicate any prayer requests you might have. You can put that on there. If, you're, if you've changed your information and you want to update uh, your address or other information, you can use that card to do that as well. And then at the end of the service, for those of you who are new or visiting, um, you can go by our information desk in the foyer and you can leave the card there and pick up a small gift that we have there for you. So uh, just make sure that uh, you do that at the end of the service today. I just want to say thank you to the Kerr team who uh, served so faithfully yesterday uh, at the Kerr Street Mission 
providing uh, breakfast and just for your commitment to serving the underserved, and uh, we just greatly, greatly appreciate it. Also, just want to let you know that uh, coming up this coming Saturday, Open Hands Global will be hosting a garage sale on our parking lot on Saturday. And uh, if there are things, I noticed some things have already come in. They're in the foyer there. If there are things that you would like to donate to that garage sale, you can bring them by. On Friday between noon and 6, Esther and her team will be here to receive things at this door uh, if you want to come. So noon to 6 on Friday. And then also during the garage sale on Saturday, they are receiving items from 7 a.m. up until noon. And so if you plan to bring them, please bring them by then because otherwise it's, it's it may be too late in the day for them to even sell them, so just bring them by between 7 a.m. and noon, and they'll also be receiving some things there as well. So thank you for that. Kids, you are free to go with your volunteers. And as we've been announcing for a couple weeks today, we're going back to doing uh, offering collection uh, on site. And for those of you who have migrated to e-transfers, by all means, you can stay with that. And, and um, you know, that, that's great, those of you at home. Uh, other means of giving as well, but we are going to receive our uh, morning tithes and offerings. But I just want to acknowledge, uh, and I don't know, Nathan, if you have that slide there, if we could uh, bring that up. But uh, just to, you know, in, in, in May, we, we just talked about the impact of COVID on finances and, and uh, talked about some things that we needed to do. And I'm just really grateful today to report that uh, in May, not only did we hit our May budget, but we did exceed it and we made up approximately $5,000 of the losses that we had experienced so far this year. So thank you for that and uh, for your continued faithfulness and giving. And then throughout the month of June, we're just, we're aiming to continue hitting our budget and of course making up whatever ground we can on our losses that, that we've had in the, in the front end of the year. So thank you for being a part of that with us. So I'm going to invite the team to come and uh, start receiving your offering this morning. And then Tyler is going to continue to lead us in worship this morning. So being Pentecost Sunday, I thought it was fitting to, for these next two songs to be explicitly about the Holy Spirit. And this next song may be new for some of you. Um, it's called Hymn of the Holy Spirit. And if you want to listen to it, you know, at home, uh, the version that I know um, is by Pat Barrett. So, you know, Spotify or Amazon or Apple Music, whatever you use, YouTube. Look up Hymn of the Holy Spirit by Pat Barrett. It's a beautiful song. Um, and it's, it's written like a hymn, but, uh, but it's really not that old. It's only about five years old. And, and as you sing this song, really focus on the words. They can go by quite quickly, but, um, but they're very important. It's a beautiful prayer. So I invite you to stand as we uh, pray and sing this together. Hymn of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide my vision. Help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, ever Jesus Christ in all as Christ in me. Holy Spirit, guide my speaking words of grace and truth abound. Let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that I found. You're the light. You're the light. 
Holy Spirit, guide my vision. Holy Spirit, guide my vision. Help me see the way you see. Always Jesus, ever Jesus. Christ in all as Christ in me. Holy Spirit, guide my speaking. Words of grace and truth abound. Let my lips be filled with stories of the mercy that I found. You're the light, you're my path, and you're the shade. hearing. Holy Spirit, guide my hearing. Wake my ears to words you speak. In the thunder, in the stillness, let your voice be clear to me. Let your voice be clear to me. You're the light. You're the something as simple as come Holy Spirit and you're just lifting up your heart to God and saying God I don't even know what's best for me 
I don't even know where to begin. Please just have your way. Come and shine your light in whatever dark places I don't even know about that need fixing. And come give me the grace to do that. I'll just give you this opportunity just to quietly, whether it just be in your heart or, or you can sing it out loud or speak whatever, just your own specific intentions in your life with friends, whatever is going on. Ask the Holy Spirit to come and to give us strength to guide us, to fill us with his love.
there's nothing worth more that will ever come close no thing can compare you're our living hope your presence I've tasted and seen of the sweetest of loves where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence Lord come Holy Spirit Holy Spirit you are welcome here come flood this place and fill the Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord, your presence, Lord, there's nothing worth more. There's nothing worth more that will ever come close. No thing can compare. You're our living hope. Your presence, Lord, I've tasted and I've seen. I've tasted and seen. Where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone. Thank you, God, your presence, Lord. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Comfort this place. Let us experience 
the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness, Lord. Oh, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what our hearts long for. that is blocking that. Lord God, we do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. But Lord God, you give us the freedom to potentially make bad choices, to to walk away from you, to get messed up in stuff and tangled up in things that, that don't help us and that don't advance the kingdom. They just hurt us and hurt other people around us. And Lord God, we pray that by the light of your Holy Spirit, you would reveal whatever it is we need to get rid of, whatever needs to be purified and refined. And God, that can be painful. That's not fun. And yes, you bring peace and you bring joy, but usually first, there's a lot of pain and suffering because you've got to remove that problem in our soul. 
and that spiritual surgery isn't easy and there's a bit of pain involved but it's worth it Lord God so please give us the courage we need to face whatever it is we might have to face because we're all different we're all on different journeys Lord God but we all want to be headed towards heaven and we cannot do it without you and Holy Spirit we ask for your strength we pray for your wisdom we do pray for your peace and your joy we pray for healing Lord God we all need healing whatever it might be, Lord God. We pray for unity. We pray against division, Lord God. We pray against bitterness. We pray against hatred. We pray against anything of the enemy, Lord God. We pray for faith, hope, and love. We ask this in Jesus' name. Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Our scripture today is found in Acts chapter 2. We're reading verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Tyler and worship team, for leading us so sensitively and so beautifully today. Today is the fourth and final week of our sermon series entitled Making a Comeback Down But Not Out. And we've said from day one that a comeback is defined as returning after a period away. And so that's fitting because as a congregation, we are returning after a period away, away from each other, away from our usual practices, away from our priorities, away from some of our commitments. We've talked about how COVID has had a profound impact on the church community in general, resulting in significant changes and losses. And as we move forward, how important it is for us to identify and address these changes and losses So that with the help of the Holy Spirit, we can find a way forward that reflects who and what Jesus has called us to be as his church. And so throughout the past few weeks, we have been consistently reminded that the Holy Spirit will help us to redeem our losses and regain our focus as we respond to rediscovering the priorities of the kingdom of God. So far, we have focused on the loss and change in terms of material and people resources. We talked about the impact on unity. And last week, we had a guest who talked about the impact on mental health. Today is Pentecost Sunday. We've referenced that a couple of times. And today, we're going to be focusing on loss and change in terms of church community and the Holy Spirit's work in creating authentic, church community. I believe that the most significant impact 
of the COVID pandemic was accelerating realities that were already being evidenced. Accelerating what was already being evidenced. Finances in many churches were already gradually declining because the truth is that the, the older generations were very faithful and high-giving individuals, and, and that is seeming to be decreasing. And so finances in churches generally were, were declining. Volunteer bases were already slowly eroding. Focus on personal rights and opinions was already starting to shift the focus away from unity and commitment to the church community and missional priorities. Many people already struggled with anxiety and mental health issues. And it seems that the COVID pandemic somehow accelerated these realities that were already being evidenced at an alarming rate. And so here we find ourselves at this point, seeing the impact of that acceleration. Today we are focusing on church community, and, and one thing we have learned from church history is that times of crises, uh, you know, there are two things that generally happen during times of crises. One is the core of a faith community is often strengthened, while at the same time there are others who walk away from faith, who, who leave. Some leave the church community, some leave faith altogether. And so we've seen this at an accelerated level over the past two years. For me, it's interesting for me to study research that's being done that talks about what the impact has been on the church because I find that very informative and, and helpful. And recently I have been focusing on some of this research and have discovered some interesting facts that this research has revealed as churches have been surveyed and individuals have been surveyed. The first thing that we'll notice is that for the, for the most part, and this may be a surprise to you, it, it was to me uh, in reading it first, is that bigger churches got bigger and smaller churches got smaller. As I reflect on that, I, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I, I see that, but at the time, I wasn't really thinking about that. Now, there, there were some exceptions, there's no question, but generally speaking, that was the trend. Bigger churches got bigger, smaller churches got smaller. But the research dug a little deeper and said, well, why is that? What did church, big churches do different than small churches? And, and what the research has, has suggested is that many bigger churches were willing to take greater risk with, with the potential health impact in terms of their congregation, weighing out the potential attendance and financial impact of not meeting, they were willing to take greater risk to protect that and, and the church as a whole. Whereas smaller churches responded by saying, despite the risk of reduced finances and reduced attendance, they generally chose to place a high priority on protecting the health of their members. And so smaller churches tended to be more cautious, bigger churches tended to take greater risk. And in the end, the smaller service, uh, churches, on average, saw about a 50% reduction in attendance and giving. Secondly, the, the second thing revealed was many people are not coming back to the church community. And they're not coming back for a variety of reasons. 
Some who left the smaller churches that stayed closed when they could have opened for for the sake of safety went to the bigger churches that stayed open and and they intend not to return to their original communities. They went there, they locked in there, and they're staying there. So that's, that's one reality. The other is, there were people in our churches of all sizes that were wanting to exit from church community altogether. They wanted to walk away from faith. They wanted to leave the church community, and they didn't know how to do it without drawing attention to themselves So shutting down gave them that opportunity to slip away quietly and not come back to the faith community. And statistically, there's a lot of people who relate to that. And then there are some who have become comfortable with online options, and it's now more convenient to watch the service online, as many churches have gone to some type of online service and live streaming and, and I personally believe that live streaming is a great resource. It's a great resource for those who are physically unable to attend the service. Or there are those, I have family and friends from many places who church going has not been a part of their lives for many years. And with the start of live streaming, watch live stream services every week. They never would have done that had we uh, and other churches not gone to live streaming. And so there's, there's a value in it. There's no question. One of the greatest values I see is that there are some seniors who have served this congregation faithfully through the years who are no longer physically able to be here but feel that, that sense of connection at least to see familiar faces and vo- hear familiar voices and to be a part of the congregation even though they physically cannot be here under any circumstances right now. But live streaming should never be a convenient substitution for church community and being together. This is a good time to look straight into the camera. It should never be a convenient substitution for church community. And for many, it has become that. Because, you know, now that gas is a million dollars, and, you know, it's it's, it's easier, and it's, it's... but it's not about convenience. So in Acts chapter 2, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the followers of Jesus as he had promised. And for us Pentecostals, that's a, that's a very important passage. As we read it, we see the impact that, it's had, that it had on individuals with empowered boldness to share about Jesus. But near the end of this very same chapter, this very same chapter, Luke provides for us a clear picture, an insight into the Holy Spirit's work of creating an authentic community of believers. He, He just gives us that snapshot into it and then spends much of the book of Acts kind of breaking that out for us. But in just a few sentences here, he summarizes how the Holy Spirit shaped this community of faith. And there are four areas identified here that I want to very briefly explore today. Since it's our desire, as a congregation, I believe that the Holy Spirit create and recreate and continue to create an authentic community here at EPC as we emerge from the losses and the changes experienced from the COVID pandemic. As we come to grips with, it is what it is, and as now what do we do? At the center of that, we want the Holy Spirit to be creating and leading authentic community. 
So let's briefly today take a look at what Luke tells us about this very special, authentic, original community of faith. The first thing he touches on is teaching. As you read the Gospels, you will observe that in the ministry of Jesus, teaching and miracles went hand in hand. They weren't separate things. Today it's not a teaching service and tomorrow is a healing service. That's, that's not how Jesus operated. They went hand in hand. We see in Luke chapter 4, Jesus is teaching in the synagogue of Capernaum and people are amazed at his teaching, the authority and the insight and the wisdom and the power of his teaching. And in the midst of that, there is a demon-possessed man who's set free. In Luke chapter 5, we're told that Jesus was teaching in a house and the words Luke uses, it says that the the presence of of the Lord was there to heal the sick. In, in other words, the Holy Spirit was present in the midst of the teaching of Jesus, and we see a group of friends lowering a man down through the roof, placing him in front of Jesus, and this paralytic man who was lowered through the roof was healed in the midst of this amazing teaching. In Luke chapter 7, John is trying to figure out if Jesus is really the one. And so sent a messenger to ask, are you the Messiah? And it's interesting to see Jesus' response because these were things associated with the Messiah. He says, well, tell John, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf are hearing, the dead are raised. Tell John all these things are happening. But at the end of that, he puts this and he says, and the good news is preached to the poor. Hand in hand. Teaching and miracles went hand in hand in the ministry of Jesus. And so what we see here is the apostles continued the teaching of Jesus and they taught about Jesus, who he was and how he died and rose from the grave and that he's the Messiah, all those wonderful things. And we're told in Acts 2 that as they did that, not just that people marveled at, oh, this is great information. No, it says signs and wonders were common were an ongoing part of their ministry as well. Signs and wonders followed the teaching or preaching of the word. Jesus' teaching always took place in the context of gathered people. The apostles' teaching also took place when people gathered. Whatever number of people there were gathered, that's where it happened. The signs and wonders that followed were witnessed and experienced by those who had gathered. We are a Holy Spirit-empowered community, and we gather. And one of the reasons we gather is to share the message of Jesus. We gather to share the good news, the, the gospel. We are empowered by the Spirit, and so because we are empowered by the same Spirit that empowered Jesus and the early apostles, we are also empowered, and so we model the ministry of Jesus, and we model the ministry of the early church. That teaching and life-changing miracles go hand in hand. That it's not just about, wow, that was a a great message that I really enjoy, but no, life change will happen as we hear the truth about Jesus. Being in a community is not just merely about passing on information, but we're longing for the transformation transformational power of the Holy Spirit as he works in our midst and in our lives. And so the intent of Christ-centered teaching 
is transformation, not information. Not just as individuals, but as a community, as a group, being transformed together. We're being transformed by the Holy Spirit together. And so when we gather as a community, Christ-centered teaching creates a community where people are encouraged. It creates uh, a community where people are challenged. A community where people are held accountable. A community where people are saved, where people are healed, where people are set free. Because the Holy Spirit works in the midst of the community when we gather around the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Christ-centered teaching creates a community where hope rises and faith is built up and the marginalized are elevated while the arrogant and the proud are humbled. And so when we gather in community, we come together, we gather, we come here in anticipation, in expectation that the Holy Spirit will create an environment where Christ-centered teaching is affirmed by the life-changing power of the Holy Spirit working in our lives. Secondly, fellowship. The word that Luke uses for fellowship is koinonia, and maybe many of you have, uh, have heard that term, and I'm certain there are many churches named koinonia. The word simply just means harmony created by a shared purpose. Harmony created by a shared purpose. Now, Luke not only used the word fellowship, he provided examples to help us grasp what he meant when he used that word. And so we read it this morning in Acts 2, 44 to 45. It says, all the believers were gathered together, together, and had everything in common, and they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. For Luke, fellowship was about being a part of a group, a community. And within that group, sharing common interests and forging partnerships to accomplish a common goal. But for Luke, it also included taking responsibility for and ownership of each other. It was more than just being together. It was more than just partnering and working together towards something, but it was also about taking responsibility for and ownership of each other. Luke shows us here that in a spirit-formed community, our relationship with Jesus and our love for one another is demonstrated by selfless personal sacrifice to meet the needs of others in the community. And that selfless personal sacrifice was demonstrated in the sharing of personal property and possessions to help those who were in need, who struggled, who had less, who didn't have enough. And so in the church community in Acts, we see this group of followers of Jesus that loved each other so much. They loved each other so much that they took care of one another. Their love for each other led them to care for one another. And you've heard me say many times, there's a big difference in caring about and caring for. You can sincerely care about people, but never be moved to taking action at all. You can care about it, but not care for it. Caring for people causes us to take practical, 
tangible steps to help people that involve some level of personal sacrifice. That's what caring for people is about, is giving up something of ourselves to benefit others in the community. In a community, there's a lot that we don't have in common. In this community this morning, there's a lot we don't have in common. Our upbringing was not the same. Our social status may not be the same. Our ethnicity may not be the same. Our level of education may not be the same. The experiences we've gone through in this life have not been the same. Our training is not the same. Our health is not the same. Our talents are not the same. But the Holy Spirit takes our diversity takes that beautiful collection of all these differences and brings them together into this beautiful image of the body of Christ where everyone is valuable and important and makes a contribution. In a spirit-formed community, the people live out a koinonia that demonstrates a passionate loyalty to Jesus but also a passionate loyalty to to each other. And that's why it's so important to choose a faith community to be a part of. It's important to be a part of a community. It's important to choose one to be a part of. It's important to give ourselves to that community, to to give our lives and our abilities and our experiences to that community. It's important for us to stand by that community in good times and bad times. We thrive in that type of community. We raise our families in that kind of community. And so find a community. Be a part of a community. Give yourself to that community. And this is your community. Then be ferociously loyal to that community and to the people within that community and to Jesus Christ who is the head of this community. I think that's why I find it. I, I, you know, sometimes people wonder, like when, when people leave, does, does, you know, does, you know, does that bother you? Like personally, that bothers me a lot because I see church community like a family. And when people leave the family, that's, that, to me personally, that's very painful. I find that very painful. This is a family. We are a community, and we, 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 we're loyal to our family. We're loyal to our community. We stand with our family in good times and in bad times because this is a community. Thirdly, prayer. Statistics show that most people who pray in North America pray alone. The primary emphasis of prayer is personal prayer or individual prayer. And so if people pray at all, and statistics show that a lot of people don't, but if people pray at all, majority of people, the focus of their prayer is individual personal prayer. And there's no question that personal prayer, individual prayer, is is a spiritual discipline that, you know, every follower of Jesus needs to value and pursue and practice. I mean, personal prayer is, is critically important. However, as you study the spirit-formed community in Acts, the primary focus of prayer that we observe here is not individual prayer. Luke doesn't really give us a picture into the individual prayer. I think for Luke, that was just a given, that people personally prayed. What he focuses on is the praying together, the praying for one another. They prayed together in the temple. They were Jews who acknowledged Jesus as Messiah, 
when Jesus died and rose from the dead and they became his followers, they still went to the temple to pray. They prayed together in the synagogues. They prayed together in their homes. But when Luke talks about it, he talks about them praying together. The spirit-formed community in Acts was launched out of a context of 120 people praying together. The last thing that the book of Acts intends to provide for us is a handbook or an instruction manual for how to pray. It's not a prayer guide. Instead, it shows us how important prayer is in a spirit-formed community and the impact that praying with one another and for one another can make in a community of believers. And so right from the beginning in Acts 1.14, we're told that they, constantly, they were constantly in prayer together, awaiting the outpouring of the Spirit. And then in Acts 2.42, the community of believers, it says they devoted themselves to prayer as a community. In Acts 4, after the disciples were arrested and the believers gathered as a group in their home to pray. In Acts 6, we're told that deacons were chosen to care for the widows and the orphans and, and as they were chosen, the community gathered and they prayed over them together. In Acts 16, Paul and Silas are in prison and they begin singing and praying together. And the prison doors were open. And we see this all throughout the book of Acts. Community allows us to not just pray for one another, but it allows us to pray with one another together. And then finally breaking bread. In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, we read of God's deliverance of the Hebrews from slavery in Egypt to ensure that they would always remember how God had delivered them out of Egypt. God required that they establish a festival called Passover. And they were to celebrate Passover every year to commemorate the exodus or deliverance from slavery. Each generation that followed celebrated Passover as God had commanded. All those generations later, we see in the New Testament, in Jesus' time, Jews were still celebrating the festival of Passover. In fact, Jews still practice and celebrate Passover to this day. Now, there were events that took place at the temple to celebrate Passover, and then most of the Jews would go home and they would have smaller celebrations in their homes with families and friends. And in Luke 22, we see that Jesus and his disciples have gathered to celebrate Passover on the night prior to his crucifixion. They were gathered in the upper room of a home. It's just Jesus and the 12 disciples. In the Old Testament, Passover was established as a celebration of God's salvation of Israel from Egypt. During this final Passover, if you, will, were, if, you, if you will, this meal that Jesus is sharing with them, Jesus shifts the focus of Passover from a celebration of the Exodus to a celebration of his pending crucifixion. Passover was based on the old covenant, but now it will be based on a new covenant through him and his shed blood and broken body. And so he said that the bread that he shared at that meal represented this. He said, this, take this bread. This is my body, which is broken for you. And take this cup. This cup is, is you know, the blood, my blood that will be shed for you. 
Now, for New Testament believers, you need to understand that this happened and this is something that they are to celebrate until he returns. And here we have this church community that's created and many of them are still tied into the Jewish prayers and and worship and they're celebrating Passover, but they can't celebrate communion as as we know it now, what, what Jesus has made it. They can't go to the temple and celebrate communion. They can't break bread in the, in the temple. They can't go to their local synagogue and celebrate the body and the blood of Jesus. That's, that's just not possible. And so when they celebrated it, they celebrated it as they gathered in their homes. And they, got, and they celebrated it similar to how they celebrated the Passover feast of sharing communion as a meal shared together with the focus of that meal being on Jesus' provision on the cross for them. And so they're doing this in their homes. They're breaking bread together in their homes, celebrating over a feast and celebration what Jesus has done for them. And so when we celebrate communion together, even though We no longer share a meal as a community that through time and church history and changes, we no longer share that meal together like the early church did. It is a celebration of the provision of Jesus on the cross. We are still celebrating and recognizing his broken body and his shed blood. I would say in the context of of most Pentecostal churches and our church, experiencing the presence of God together, and we sung about it this morning, is, you know, it's it's a high value for us. It's one of the highest values. That if we came to church on Sunday and we just sang songs and heard some information and just left, for us, you know, it would be a disappointment that historically what we expect is we want to come and as we worship, we want to experience the presence of God here working as in our community, working in our lives. As we hear the Word of God preached, we, you know, we, we long for the Holy Spirit to be, be bringing that home to our hearts and, and to our minds. We, we want to we experience God. We want to experience God. And so that's a high value for us. And I want to suggest today that there is no greater opportunity to experience the presence of God in our community and in our lives than when we celebrate communion together. That sometimes in our theology, we minimize so much this experience as just purely symbolic that we kind of, I think we miss out on, on the reality and the power that, that is a part of celebrating communion together, of what it means that Jesus gave his life for us. No greater opportunity in creating community than the breaking of bread, than the sharing of his broken body and his shed blood, and how that impacts our lives. I'm going to invite our worship team to come. I say this morning in closing that over time, followers of Jesus... We as followers of Jesus sometimes come to understand church different than Jesus intended. A lot of what we associate with church, we've created along the way to help us to to celebrate church. 
And because of that, sometimes church has become a place. It's become a building. It's become a meeting location. And so, you know, many of you, like me, got up this morning and said, well, I'm heading to church now, right? You're heading to 1450 Rebecca Street in this building with an expectation of what might, might happen. We're going to meet in a certain place at a certain time, and we're going to do certain things. That's church. And so we recognize the dangers in, you know, keeping church only focused on that. And so to help us shift away from this type of limited thinking as leaders, you know, leading up to COVID, and you, you often heard me say it, and I'm, I'm certain I am not the only leader standing in front of a group of people pleading and saying the thing that, that church is not a building and it's, it's not a program and it's not the activities we carry out, that, that, that we are the church. And wherever we go, we are the church. And while this teaching is both true and absolutely necessary, and was also very helpful because for many of us, what accelerated was an understanding of that when we weren't able to meet in a certain place at a certain time and do certain things anymore. And we understood that even better. But I think sadly, the flip side of that whole thing is that it's created a misunderstanding among some that, well, if what you're saying is true, pastor, and church is not a place or a time or what we do, and that we're the church, well, then I probably don't need to gather at a certain place at a certain time to do certain things. I can be the church from anywhere. And advances te technology make that a very present reality for us and makes being present unnecessary in that kind of thinking. But I want to say this morning, as I conclude, I believe that there is no technology, nor will there ever be technology, that will replace the importance of gathering as a community together. I value technology. We use it to our advantage. Historically, we have used it to our advantage, but it will never, ever be a replacement for gathering as a community. We need each other. We need to gather. The church cannot exist without community. A church without community is not a church. Being together is necessary for community. The COVID pandemic impacted church community. But I believe it's literally a time for us to make a comeback, to be together, to experience God together, to engage the mission together, to care for each other together to pray with each other together, to pray for each other together, to celebrate what Jesus has done for us together. And in a few moments, we're going to celebrate communion together. And for those of you who are unable to physically be present today, we invite you to celebrate from home with us. We want you to be a part of that with us and I know it's valuable for you to celebrate communion when you can't be here and we want you to celebrate that with us but we're thrilled this morning that we can do this together so I'm going to invite you to stand and as Tyler leads us this morning just allow the Holy Spirit to continue to 
to touch your heart and mind as you reflect and, and, and what the value of community may mean to you and, and what it has meant to you and, and how we can even engage that at a greater level as we move forward together. Together. Tyler, would you lead us? There's a place where mercy reigns and never dies. And there's a place where streams of grace flow deep and wide. Where all the
At the cross, at the cross, I surrender my life. I'm in all of you. I'm in all of you. Where your love ran red and my sin washed white, I owe to you. I owe to you, Jesus. your way in this morning, you would have received a sealed communion package. Those of you who are new to using this, if you push down on the tab with your thumb, the clear plastic film that covers the wafer should separate. If you pull it back, you can access the waiver, the wafer. And then if the other tab pulled back, allows you to access the drink. Paul, in reflecting on the event of Jesus with his disciples in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, writes this to them. He says, For I pass unto you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. And then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And we eat the bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you for the scars that you bore. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's drink together. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your shed blood. We thank you for your broken body. We thank you for the most beautiful picture of love that the world has ever seen or experienced. As you'd lay down your life for us to lovingly bring us into relationship with you, with the Father. And we celebrate you today. And we sense your presence in this place. And we believe that you are here. Your word tells us that we, when we gather in your name, you're there in the midst of us. We believe you're here with us this morning. And we believe that your presence makes all the difference in our lives. Your presence brings comfort to our grief. Your presence and your power and your shed blood and your broken body bring healing to our bodies. You bring hope to us. You set us free. You forgive us. You bring us into relationship with you.
We're so grateful that when we gather, it's just not a meeting for the sake of a meeting, but it is a divine encounter with the God that we love and serve. And Father, this morning we pray for those who are unable to be here in this place today. Lord, we pray for Emma, and we pray for her ongoing challenges, her health challenges of late that have put her back in the hospital. And God, once again, we gather and we pray and we ask you, we pray together for Emma, and we ask you to heal her body. We ask you to strengthen her. We ask you to make what right what needs to be made right for her family, for her parents as they journey this difficult road with her. Strengthen and help them, we pray. Lord, today we pray for Gina and we thank you as, uh, as she's completed two-thirds of her treatments and and how well she's been doing in those treatments and your presence with her. And we pray that you would continue to see her through. And I pray that you would, Lord, bring a good result at the end of this process. Father, today we continue to pray for Todd. And as he now waits patiently to hear the results of all that he's been through, thank you for for the miracles along the way in his life. Thank you for your comfort, your peace, and your strength. And today we pray, Lord, that you would give him peace as he waits. And Lord, I pray that when he does hear, we pray that the news would be good news. We pray together for Todd. And today we pray together for Edith. And we pray that you'd help her in her her struggles and in her pain and in her her sickness. And God, I pray today that, Lord, that you would strengthen her and you would touch her and you would bring peace to her. Thank you, Lord, for her positive attitude and outlook through all of this. Lord, we lift her up together before you this morning. And for those who may be in this place today that have a need that maybe others of us aren't even aware of today, Lord, would you meet that need? Would you bring healing? Would you bring strength? Would you bring provision? Would you lead and guide and open doors and and make known your direction? Whatever it might be today, God, we ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you for the privilege we have had to be together in this place today, experiencing you together in this place. And may God, may you use us as we move forward further your kingdom, to share your love, and to see our world changed as the salt and light of your people penetrates all parts of life. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here. You can leave your cups in the, there's a little trash can at the door as you exit. Thank you for being here today.